The Green Ranger played a flute and then a dragon came out of the ocean. <laughs> he played a flute through a face mask with no visible lip hole. <laughs> Welcome to Double Issue. My name is Quentin Pongratz. Joining me today is Daniel Poole. And we are your hosts for this show. The show where we show you a glimpse into a superhero universe that we create some weeks by world building. A nebulous term that means having a conversation about made up things. (laughs) Other weeks, like this week, we tell short stories set in that very same universe we're building up. Yeah. Yeah. And this week we're doing the prompt left by Marcel of uh, Giving Credits, a good podcast you should go check out. His prompt was, everyone's turned into drinks. Remember he said that, and then I sat there for maybe 30 seconds just, I have no idea what to do for that. But I think we both came out pretty all right. Yeah, we did come up with some stories. We technically have people in, in drinks in our stories. I'm drinking while we're telling the stories oh, about yeah, drinks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Since we, our theme is drinks this week, we decided to have some drink action. Now, what are, you, what are you drinking, Daniel? I'm drinking rum and Coke out of an old tin cup. Ooh. Regular Coke? Like, what kind of Coke? Uh, it's Diet Coke Lime. Ooh. Lime ginger, I think. Oh. You just keep yeah. adding wrinkles to this. It's a, it's a thing. Is it regular rum? What's going on with the rum? Is there more wrinkles to that? I think that that was actually a funny non-wrinkle. I had the last couple of drops, like maybe a shot left of a Bahama rum, whatever the, the generic rum is. But I was like, oh, dang it, that's not enough to do this drink. I'm going to have to make something weird with it. And then I had a tiny sampler bottle of the same rum. So I had plenty to do a full drink. Oh, cool. Yeah. How about you? I have mixed Dr. Pepper with some cinnamon whiskey. Nice. I think I believe is Evan's brand. I haven't had that before. I'm trying it out. I just picked up some cinnamon whiskey. It's the first time I've ever actually paid for it on purpose and not just drank it at a party. But I just got the whatever the cheapest plastic bottle was. Yeah, we are drinking tonight. So if by the end of this episode, you sound a bit looser than normal. (laughs) How's your taste? How's yours taste? Pretty good. Should Should I clink the microphone to... I'm Tink. drinking in a plastic cup. I can't really. <laughs> you had, what What drink was it uh, you had? Uh, rum and Coke. Rum and lime. Diet Lime Coke. Yeah. Which superhero is that in our universe? Oh, man. Let me let me bring up the list of heroes from our villains show notes. Is it any flavored rum or just regular straight rum? Just straight rum. Hmm. It's kind of an islandy flavor and it's sort of a fruity flavor. So maybe Thorn? Mm. Oh, I added green Manichero cherries to the bottom. Okay. Just because I had some. <laughs> There's no reason for them to be in there. But I would make a cup hands, but I would need some Everclear. Uh, I'm trying what? to think. What would you... The, the Coke in it makes me think, like, sort of classical. Yeah. What about Graham? 
kind of a classic-y hero. Mm, that's, that's pretty good, I think. Yeah? Mm-hmm. How about you? Which I hero had, would your drink be? I had Dr. Pepper and Cinnamon Whiskey. That immediately, like, immediately makes me think of a fire character. Yeah. But you've got Flair. Yeah. I mean, it could just mm. be Flair. I don't know. What about Magma Mouse? <laughs> yeah, it could be Magma Mouse. Fire Cat? Mm. Oh, I forgot about Fire Cat. Was it Fire Tiger also? Oh, yeah. Ooh, uh, I bet it's a uh, laser size. <laughs> it was, Why is that? It's a real laser size drink. I don't know. Just feeling it. I almost bought a giant jar of moonshine, and I could have just had a giant Amish. But <laughs> all right, was yeah. there anything we need else we need to talk about? Little bits, anything? There was five weeks of villains, so hope yeah. everyone enjoyed that. <laughs> a little summer vacation there. Yeah. At some point, we uh, earlier in the in this podcast, we wanted to do a villains month, and we wanted to kick it off by giving every hero a villain. Instead. Giving every hero a villain was Villains Month. <laughs> we thought it would only take an episode to do that. It would have if we had done what the, some of the episode was when we were just naming names. Yeah, just running down the list. Yeah. But we ended up talking about them. But I think we got some really good conversations out of that. Uh, we fleshed out the universe more than just giving everyone names would have done. I'm trying to think what big stuff happened. I went and saw Ant-Man and Wasp. Should I go see that and have we have a bonus episode about it? We should. It was really good. I like slightly underpowered, or like not underpowered, but slightly less powered heroes Yeah. than like Superman. Yeah. I mean, there's fun stuff to do with Superman, but uh, the first Ant-Man I just loved because it was, well, it's just like a Bond thriller action movie, but he just happens to have a superpower and this is just more. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah. The first one was pretty fun, so... And by all indications, if I enjoyed that one, I would enjoy the the sequel. Yeah. If anything, I think this one was a little smoother. Mm. I have. To, I'm gonna have to rewatch both to get it. But yeah, it was good. Well, I guess do you want to get into the stories? Let's do it. All right. I think your story's up first. Yes, it is. Here we go. Feeding time by Quentin A. Pongratz. One by one, their audio feeds crackled with white noise before cutting out entirely. Quake's stomach turned to that familiar feeling of regret. Why did she let them go without her? Especially with broadband and dial-up off-planet, she lifted up a fist but stopped herself before the immediate urge to pound on the desktop manifested. She had ruined enough equipment accidentally that she was finally starting to learn some of the restraint required with the new depth of her powers. Quake gestured to the large screen before her and the view changed from the analytic screen detailing each hero currently on the mission to just a satellite overview of where they were. With another gesture, a backward arrow appeared on the corner and she watched as blips appeared on one central location. The blips moved away from the building and took what she recognized to be a scouting pattern. She reread the names attached to each dot, Battle Maiden, Ichival, Flare, and Graham. Not a terrible team composition, but it definitely had its blind spots. Quake dismissed the screen and stood. Its contents disappeared from the monitor and reappeared, projected from her wrist comm. She got her team into this, so she would get them out of it. CW, if my comms go dead like theirs... She can't finish the sentence. I will alert all backups and brief them on the situation. Thanks. She blasted off from the floor as gently as she could manage. 
The ground cracked, but it was nothing that the organic concrete couldn't heal on its own. The ceiling opened up to accommodate her departure. The most trafficked areas of the building all had exits of their own. What good would a situation room be if you couldn't get to the situation quickly? She reached the city in nine minutes. From the sky, all looked fine, just as the satellite feed showed her. This wasn't always the case. There was the time the whole eastern seaboard was coated with the mysterious purple haze that Aegis didn't react to for hours because it tripped no alarms on their surveillance system, and anyone close enough to observe it was fast asleep before they could put out the distress call. She swooped closer and followed the streets from the sky, trying to see if she could find what had taken out the team. Something powerful. Something quiet. She wasn't hearing any of the normal city sounds. The traffic, the chatter. She stopped and concentrated for any hint of distress. Nothing. She didn't have super hearing, but you would think she'd hear something. Anything. Then, there it was. A single cry. A baby's cry. She ripped through the air to its source. This was the point on the map where her team had disappeared. She stopped abruptly in front of the door. Quake looked around to assess the situation outside the building. No movement, no people, empty cars and cups littering the sidewalk. Odd. She heard the sniffle of a baby coming from the other side of the door, and it distracted her from the weirdness of it all. Is this a mistake? The door flattened in front of her and she stepped inside. After that, she floated. She stretched, compressed at the same time. It didn't hurt. She felt at peace. She didn't even try reaching out to the forces of gravity around her to try to stop it. She felt safe, secure, contained, one. Aster Thorn and Havoc stood in the outskirts of Trogdon. Crickets chirped from the brush at the side of the road, but nothing made noise besides the constant ping coming from Thorn's hand. Thorn held up the blinking bit of his necklace, and a map projected out of it. The distress signal is coming from the middle. It's really quiet, said Havoc. Too quiet, added Thorn. Maybe we should have told Hazel. This is too important to waste on Hazel's prudence. This is what will show that we're ready, said Aster. But we're not, said Havoc. Aster glared at Havoc. What? We aren't. Aster huffs. But we're ready for more than they're giving us. Recon missions? Back up to the backup of the D-tier in kaiju defense? We're better than that. Havoc looked down at the ground. Maybe. Besides, it's an Aegis emergency beacon. We have an ethical and moral responsibility to respond to the emergency post-haste. Hazel would just slow it down with bureaucracy. Even if she let us come, you know how it would be. Observe and report. Watch the professionals do it so you can one day hope to do the same. Blah, blah, blah. Where's everyone else? Thorn asked. It's a distress signal. We have to find the everyone else and save them. I mean, he lifted the blinking necklace up some. Surely we weren't the only ones called with this. Where's the rest of the backup? I'll scout out the stitch. Aster pushed off from the ground. Wait, I'll be right back. Plus, we have our comms if anything goes wrong. She flew away before they could protest her decision. She's more tree than us. Thorn's mouth slowly grew into the biggest grin he could manage. Her leaf jokes aren't funny. They'll come back around. They never were funny. Thorn laughed anyway. His laughs became the only noise heard, drowning out the beeping and the chirping. Then, from behind them, the sound of a jet engine. A small figure flew through the air and 
the distance, a vapor trail marking where they had come from. Looks like the adults are here, Havoc said and waved his arms at the passing figure. It noticed them, or more accurately some computer tracking system noticed them, and the armor turned from its previous path and towards them. As it got closer, they were able to make out more details. The armor wasn't sleek like that of the Cardinal Sentinels. Most of it appeared to be cobbled together out of other pieces, leaving the armor as a whole with an uneven silhouette. The parts that were one piece, like the metal covering the abdomen, weren't smooth either, like they had been cut out of something larger and banged into the shape needed. The fists were too large for the body, and the face plate lacked any feature that a face would usually have, giving the whole thing an uncanny vibe. It slowed as it got close, so they didn't get the helicopter effect that sometimes happens with those in power suits. Thorn didn't have to readjust his leaves, but the boots kicked up some dust where it stopped. What are you doing here? asked the robotic voice. Thorn held up the blinking necklace but didn't say anything. He let Havoc do the talking. On assignment, Havoc took a step forward. Who gave you this assignment? No one should be entering the city. Havoc scoffed. And we weren't going to. It's just a recon mission. They wouldn't let students go into something like this. You know how it is at the academy. Observe and report. Watch the professionals do it so you can one day hope to do the same. You know the protocol. What's the situation inside, though? Oh, uh, I don't know. The face mask lifted and revealed a face not much older than their own. Wait, you're not. A squawk from Havoc's wrist interrupted. I'm not seeing anything from up here. Empty cars. No sign of any people. Who's that? I thought you said you were just on recon. Havoc pulled up his wrist communicator and tapped to talk into it, but the girl in the armor pulled his wrist to her own mouth. You need to get out of there. Nothing is coming back from the city. Get out while you can. Who is this? Aster asked. It doesn't matter. Just get out of there while you still can. I'm going to go lower and look around first. Aster replied. The armored girl huffed and turned away. I can't even. She muttered more to herself than the others. It's weird. There are no people, but it looks like just a lot of cups and drinks all on the sidewalk. Yeah, it's real weird. Can you please tell us about it back here? Fine. Aster said. With that word, the new girl turned around and smiled. With her mission accomplished, she relaxed. Like collapsing while you're already sitting, her body went limp while still standing due to the armor. Wait, I hear a baby crying. Thorn had the map from the blinking necklace up in one hand, and had her position tracked on his other wrist. The dots indicating both positions were in the same place. Aster, no, that's where the Aegis distress signal is coming from. I can't ignore a baby's cry. The girl grabbed Havoc's wrist again and cried, Don't! at it. Havoc pushed a button on the side and prompted her to say it again. Don't! she repeated. No answer returned regardless. Thorn, Havoc, and their new companion waited in silence for the outcome of Aster's daring rescue. A breeze passed by, disturbing Thorn's leave, Havoc's hair, and nothing on the metallic suit with them. Then a sound of static graced their communicators before turning to silence once again. The girl in the suit dropped Havoc's wrist, just like the rest of them. What do you mean? Who are you? Havoc asked at her. She stepped backwards a few paces. Thorn stepped between her and Havoc and extended a limb. I'm Thorn. She held out her arm, but before going for Thorn's, she shook her head and used her other hand to pull off her large gauntlet. She reached her hand to Thorn's equivalent, and they shook. Her thoughts briefly left the parallel hand and settled on the strange sensation of touching a moving tree. Rough like bark, but more alive, 
moving and pulsing underneath her hand. She continued the shake and watched as the leaves around Thorn's hand acted as feelers, obscuring her dark skin and red fingernails and revealing them as they found new places to land. It tickled. Havoc coughed. <clears throat> Thorn continued his handshake. And that's Havoc. She broke away from the handshake. Nice to meet you, I guess. Havoc turned away from them. Let's go rescue Aster. What's your name? Thorn asked. Tanya. Do you have a code name? Oh, I don't know. Sparkplug? Sparkplug. Nice. Let's go, Havoc cried out as he walked away from them. They followed Havoc into the city. They saw immediately what Aster had been talking about. All around the streets were drinks of every sort. A martini glass complete with olive, a pink sippy cup, a mug still steaming from the hot liquid inside. Every type of cup they had ever seen, and quite a few they hadn't before, littered the city. Anyone feeling thirsty? Asked Thorn. No one responded. They looked to Sparkplug, but she was just looking forward. They looked over at Havoc, who was also just looking forward. They kept looking at Havoc while walking, waiting for Havoc to look their way. Finally, Havoc noticed. His face turned to confusion. I said, anyone feeling thirsty? Havoc's confusion turned to annoyance. He shook his head and turned his attention back to the walk ahead. They walked until they reached where the Aegis beacon pointed and where Aster had lost comms. Across the street was a building with no front door. They could hear a baby's cry coming from inside. I think we should wait for more people to arrive, Thorn said. Havoc turned to Thorn. We can't just leave Aster to whatever happened to her. How many did you say came in here before us, Sparkplug? I don't know for sure, but at least ten. But we have teamwork at least, Havoc shrugged. And Aegis didn't? asked Thorn. Maybe they were picked off one by one. We don't know how they were taken down. Isn't knowing that they were taken down enough? asked Thorn. And isn't knowing Aster was taken enough to risk it? asked Havoc. Thorn looked down at his arm and picked at a leaf. They took in a deep breath. Thorn took it in not with lungs, though they had something similar, but through their whole body. They felt the air seep into every crevice. Then out. Okay. The word came out as a near whisper, but Thorn was ready. Havoc looked over to Sparkplug for her approval. She nodded and shrugged, but given how the suit was built, only the nod showed to the others. They crossed the street. It's a trap, right? Some sort of baby cry to lure in do-gooders? Most definitely, said Havoc. What have we got to lose? Sparkplug's words turned robotic as she pulled the face mask down. She jumped through the doorway. I like her spirit. Havoc rushed in after her, wands drawn. Thorn started to say something before realizing they would be talking to no one and followed them in. The transition between the daylight outside and the indoor lighting led to Thorn not being able to see for a moment. When their vision adjusted, what they saw didn't match what they thought they would see. Sparkplug and Havoc were nowhere to be seen. Thorn looked further ahead. Nothing. No, not nothing. More drinks. Drinks spotted the floor and the tables. The drinks seemed more concentrated here than they did outside. A few had communicators inside of them. Did someone take Aster's communicator and put it in a drink? That would explain the static. Where were Havoc and Sparkplug? Thorn stepped forward and they knocked over a thermos. Luckily the top was on and nothing spilled, but Thorn made sure to watch their step or pretty soon they'd be taking a bath in an assortment of drinks. Thorn didn't know where their companions went to, but they still heard the baby crying. The one sound left in the city, it seemed. 
Well, that and their steps as they made their way through the drink minefield. The cry came from just the other side of the door at the back of this place. Thorn braced itself, not knowing what would be scariest to find on the other side of the door. Something monstrous? Nothing at all? Thorn pushed through the door and spotted a baby, crying as hard as it could manage. Its face scrunched up and bawling. Thorn went and picked it up. They had never handled a human baby, but didn't think it could be too different from saplings. Except saplings could handle a drop or two no problem, and human babies seemed a bit more fragile from what they could tell. Thorn cradled it and rocked it, but the crying continued. Thorn spotted a bottle nearby lying on its side. Must be hungry. Thorn picked it up and brought it to the baby's mouth. The baby latched onto the bottle. It sucked down the liquid and the tears stopped coming. Thorn sighed. That's the one mystery solved. But where was everyone? They turned and walked through the door they had just come through to find some members of Aegis. Aster, Havoc, Sparkplug, and a few others standing there. All of them soaking wet. Each wore a look of confusion and they were scoping out the room. Nearly everyone started talking at once and the city was quiet no more. The end. Oh, man. That's a bad baby. <laughs> yeah. They just, they made everybody was drinks. Everybody was drinks. So, is this just a super-powered baby, I'm guessing? Yeah. Like some sort of uncontrollable mind power of the baby wanted a drink so strongly that it warped reality. <laughs> is this baby a cat? Is it just <laughs> mittens back again? I don't know what it is, but I figure we could do something with it at some point. Yeah. It's the kind of storyline, I think, not baby, but there's some like uh, like a, that sort of plot line in Supernatural. I think they had, like, another Jesus <laughs> was born or something and was using their powers without knowing it. Okay. But it's not a not a new thing of something with immense power not knowing what it's doing. I guess kind of Looper is that, that storyline. I never actually watched Looper. What? I need to watch it. I know I'll enjoy it. Oh, I think it is a requirement for your story for me to say, What, babe? Babe with the power. What power? I saw my baby. Sorry. <laughs> you know, the labyrinth isn't actually a labyrinth. It's a maze. Yeah, that kind of bothered me, actually. Because if it was a labyrinth, they could just follow a path to the center. Yeah, I didn't actually know the difference until the other week, and then it's been referenced like a few times since then. <laughs> Wait, what if the labyrinth is her realization that family is more important than whatever her hang-up was? Maybe it's about her life and Probably. I don't know. I've got the manga I need to read. Maybe <laughs> that'll explain it. Back to your story. Spark plug. Yeah, spark plug. Yeah, making her entrance. Yeah. I guess she hasn't actually been a hero yet. Yeah. We've just referenced her not only becoming a hero, but joining up with the legacy team. And I did both. <laughs> so the way I had considered bringing it into the story was having another or maybe I think I thought about having a her and Garth story, but it'd be stuff like, I got to get back before my dad realizes I'm out late, not yeah. doing what I'm supposed to. So I really like this entry into it where she could be already be doing stuff. But yeah, we got Sparkplug and the Legacy team together. 
So we can have the full legacy team? Yeah. Because I had an idea for one more member, but I I don't know. Yeah. I haven't introduced them yet or anything, so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've i got a story beat with them I wanted to hit, but I needed them to be together first. Yeah. So why did Thorn have the Aegis bake, Bacon? Well, bacon? see, he doesn't eat meat, and so he has to protect it. He'd be the safest if, person to hold yeah, it. Yeah, if anyone else held the bacon, they'd be eating it. He's just holding it over Havoc's head the whole time. Yeah, no, but he has the emergency beacon. Well, we talked about Thorn being a legacy hero, but we haven't talked about what their legacy is. <laughs> right. So now I have made them uh, at least in somewhat uh, Aegis-related. Related. Are you telling me Thorn, the stoner superhero with no powers... Was this was something, something Dewberry? Uh, was it Bud Dewberry? <laughs> mm-hmm. Was it Adventures of Bud Dewberry? No, but I figured the the real Thorn, previous Thorn, was an Aegis member. Okay. That was a good way to hint that out. Oh, I gotcha. I had a really good idea from Sparkplug having the beacon of her staying up late, like under the covers, but instead of having a book, she is just watching the beacon. Hmm. I just like that imagery. I don't know how to work that into a story ever, but this one isn't a question, but I just really liked Quake restraining herself from breaking her desk. Yeah. I could see that being a big issue for superheroes having to buy a lot of furniture. <laughs> Especially with her getting all the power, kind of more and more power. Right. She hasn't been able to adapt as much or get used to it as much if she's getting more and more. Yeah. At first, when I was first writing it, I had her flying through the... Uh, wherever their station is. I can't remember if it was in space or in the city or what, but wherever their station is, I had her flying through it to get to an exit. And I was just, wouldn't they have exits in, like, the main areas? <laughs> so she just kind of blasts off into the roof. Also, did you like the the organic material? Yeah, I meant to ask about that. Is that part of the Citadel? Or is that something else? I figured it was just some building material they used for the place that would get some random damage from stuff like that. Well, then she should break her desk and it just pulls itself back up together. Well, I don't think everything's made out of that. Oh, okay. It's like some bio-concrete or something. That's cool. I do like the idea of just having random escape ducts everywhere. Yeah, but I figure they're, they're probably not in the Citadel. Yeah. I know we said they had a space station, but I think we said the that uh, the Centauri took over that abandoned space station they had oh yeah that's right because then the other centauri have just the ship yeah i think they like have the ship conjoined to it or something i don't know yeah i don't remember exactly but i think it was commandeered because <laughs> they have they they were in there at one point in their history and then moved locations or whatever kind of playing off that different stuff like uh the west coast avengers or whatever like, what happens yeah. to those buildings when they just <laughs> move the team? I'd kind of wondered about that, because in one of the Justice League movies, they're talking to Batman, and they're like, does anyone else on Earth know that there's a space station? Oh, I think it was in Young Justice, because they go to the Hall of Justice, and all the other heroes disappear, because they've all teleported up to the space station, and Batman's been, like, cloaking it and keeping a secret, because the other countries of the world would be really upset if they knew he had, like, a nuclear-capable space station. Yeah. So maybe that could be, like, the world government's got kind of upset about it or something. Yeah. 
Like, it could be a space station again at this point. I'm not sure. Yeah. They do have space-capable crafts. I know that much. Yeah. And space-capable people. Yeah. Anything else? Did Thorn kill that person when he knocked them over? No, that was a, a thermos. Oh, okay, so it had a lid. Yeah. I was imagining the thermos with the cup lid next to it. Oh. So just... Everyone comes out, and there's just one, like, half-dead person. I assumed the thermos was a spark plug, and that, uh, that's, like, power armor in in drink form. <laughs> See, I was imagining all the cups just, like, laid over, and then you're talking about the liquids inside. It's like, this whole town got pranked hard. At some point in the writing process, I went, how is everyone turned to drinks, and only some people get into turned to drinks when they come close? Yeah. I think there was one large psychic burst at the beginning right and then after that it was much smaller much smaller bursts oh i remember my other question what was up with the purple gas sleep gas oh seemed like okay. a cool thing to no, just reference cool. a previous adventure yeah put those deets in there to make some good writing that just reminded me that there was a really excellent throwaway line in adventure time where Ice King brought all of his furniture to life to be his friends. And he was like, no, none of this is going the way I thought it would. Like you, Dresser, I want you to be my improv- my improvision coach. And the Dresser goes, yes, and? <laughs> and Ice King was like, no, that was it. You're just going to be my coach and my friend. Ah, uh, there it is. And <laughs> it just took me a while to be like, hey. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, to, th- yeah. I'm trying uh, to think what else. Oh, I... Also, just really enjoyed the handshake between Sparkplug and Thorn. Do you think uh, some romantic tension might be blossoming? I don't know. I was kind of focused on how weird it would be to to touch a living, not living's the wrong word, but a mobile, a muscly plant being, I guess. Yeah. I bet plant beans get that a lot. People just touching their leaves and stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, there could be. But I just wanted to focus on how weird that sensation might be. Also, I had to like rearrange who Aegis was at the time of this in order to make nobody immune to this. But Thorn was immune to it. Oh, so yeah. broadband and dial-up was just out on something else <laughs> in space. Yeah. And then I was like, the team is really small without them on it. <laughs> so I brought in some other people just to how they would probably fill out the team if they need some extra people to do something. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. You want to get to your story? Sure. Let's do it. Cool. Story time. Girls Night Showdown by Daniel J. Poole. Okay, what's this one again? Asked Wisp. Angus stroked his mustache. That's the dangerous double daiquiri. It has orange juice, orange bitters, rum, and... Wisp coughed hard. Her whole face tightened and turned red. And, as I was saying, a spot of Everclear. Sweet butt packs a punch. Trimmer slid a glass of water across the bar to Wisp's hand. Angus reflexively braced a few expensive bottles from shaking off their shelves. Trimmer said, Take it easy, champ. You know there'll be alcohol after your birthday, right? Paladin drank her triple D shot, then pounded the glassware on the counter. Ha! That tastes like getting punched in the mouth by Amy. Battle Maiden smirked. When have you ever been punched by Amy Dangerous? 
Paladin held her hands up defensively. She said, It was an honest mistake. We were fighting Flex. I was caught up in their skin folds. Amy reeled back and didn't know I was inside. She put both of us out cold. The girls laughed. Infinity Cafe was quiet. Its booths were empty, save for a few couples talking in soft voices. The lights of the city gleamed through the surrounding windows. A piano played lounge covers of pop songs. Everyone wore a paper party hat. Wisp adjusted her plastic tiara and read her sash again. It read, Old as dirt. She said, I still don't think this is appropriate. I mean, if I were old, wouldn't it just be rude to the other old people? I'm just going to take it off. You can't, said Paladin while taking two more shots from Angus. It's a girl's pal gang tradition. Battle Maiden nodded. It's true. They even make me wear it. Trimmer leaned in and asked, Wait, hold the phone. We actually know when your birthday is? Paladin shook her head. Nah, we just guessed and picked a date. Till she tells us her actual birthday, we will continue to throw her a party every August 11th. Wisp looked confused. Why August 11th? Battle Maiden shook her head. Because they want an excuse to drink, and there aren't any other drinking holidays near it. This last year, I wasn't even in town. Trimmer pushed in front of Wisp. She asked, Hey, where have you been? It seems like I never see you. Paladin downed a shot and answered for Battle Maiden. It's a big damn secret. Battle Maiden put a hand on Paladin's back. She said, I'm not trying to be rude. After the artificial insurrection, there were some loose threads that needed attention. Only a couple more to tie up before I'm back on the regular beat. Paladin eyed her. Can you at least give us a hint about where you go? The tattooed woman shook her head. She waved Angus over. She asked for a glass of water with no ice. She sipped at the water, savoring it. Wisp felt so rude. She had never asked if Battle Maiden wanted anything. She was a legend, the girl thought. How could I have forgot? The birthday girl smacked her forehead dramatically and asked. I'm so sorry, Battleman. Did you want a drink? The woman answered. No, thank you. I don't drink. Oh? Wisp asked. Is that, uh, a religious thing, or? Nah, I just don't like how it tastes, answered Maiden. Trimmer gave Wisp a side eye. She leaned in close and cupped her hand to the teen's ear and said, Plus, the last time she drank, she got into a fight with Ronnie Rage. She started puking all over his muscle car in the middle of the battle. Tequila makes me sick, okay? Maiden said. To be clear, I was aiming for his air intake. Angus slid a glass of water across the bar. He asked Wisp, Would you care for another specialty shot? Who haven't I tried yet? The man rolled up the end of his mustache between his fingers and thought. Clicking his tongue, he ducked under the counter to retrieve a few different bottles. He mixed silver, white, clear, and glittery alcohols together. And then he passed through the glass. Try a moon glow. People don't ask for it as often as they used to, but it's an excellent drink. It's like a white Russian, but sweeter. She slurped it down. That is good. What is the glittery alcohol? The bartender began to answer, but was cut off by a pair of cackles at the front door. Everyone in the cafe flinched. Ice and an echo entered together. They swayed uneasily, using one another as support. Both carried half-empty liquor bottles. A light flashed and Angus was at their side. He helped them waddle to the bar while discreetly taking their bottles. Bison clapped Wisp on the back and said, Sorry we're late. We went to the wrong bar. What? Wisp said. How many other superhero bars on the roofs of skyscrapers are there in New Amsterdam? 
Echo held up a finger as if to say something but belched instead. Bison laughed but answered wisp. We went to the Infinity Lounge by accident. They have an infinity pool and the booths have mirrors all the way around them so you can think you can see forever. Oh, and for the record, we realized we were at the wrong place. But then we found John Moores having dinner with his husband. We made him show us mirror spells in the booths. Then we pre-gamed a little too much. Hey, scoot over, Trimmer. Trimmer looked from Bison to Wisp, but finally relinquished and moved over. Then Echo tried to push Trimmer out of her stool to sit next to Bison. She moved a second time. Angus shook his head. He was muttering under his breath. That Infinity Lounge is a travesty. They keep wrecking my Yelp reviews. Echo laughed and slapped the bar. She said, Bartender. Angus turned to her. He was cringing. Couple of shots for me and my friends. She slipped off the stool. Bison caught her, and the two fell over together laughing. Angus narrowed his eyes and placed two glasses of ice water on the counter. Echo stood up. She held onto the counter to stabilize herself. She took a sip of water and said, Ha but really, two shots. The Archibalds have absinthe in them, right? We'll take those. Bison gave her a shove. Gross, I'll pass. Give me a double guardian Garth. Angus shook his head. Maybe you two should try a water first. Pace yourselves. Bison snarled. I think I know when I've had enough. Wisp put a hand on the big hero's shoulder. She said, Come on, let's take it easy. Angus is just trying to help keep you from getting a hangover. Bison brushed her away. I can take care of myself. Give me a damn drink. Angus said, No. Bison reached across the bar and grabbed a whiskey bottle. In the blink of an eye, her arm was behind her back. Angus took the bottle from her and handed it to Wisp. Bison tried to hurl the man over her head, but he disappeared and reappeared behind the counter. He wiggled a finger at her and said, No fighting inside. One more outburst and I'm calling Bouncer. A red rubber man at the door was watching intently. Bison opened her mouth, but she stopped. Dark streaks ran down Wisp's cheeks. Wisp didn't try to hide her tears. She hoped Bison would see them. To see her. She didn't want to hurt her partner, but she wanted to be seen. Bison stood up. Maybe I should just go. I ruin everything. Wisp said, No, stay, please. We want you here. I want you here. Bison moved to the door. You're just being nice. I know I'm just bringing everyone down. I'm worthless. No, Wisp said. She jumped up from her seat to catch up to Bison. We were all waiting on you gals before we went out. We wanted to make you part of my party. We just worry that you're overdoing it. We want you here. Sparks danced to the corner of her eyes and at the tips of her fingers. The wrestler looked at Trimmer, Paladin, and Battle Maiden. Echo stood up and walked to her and took her hand. Bison said, I'm sorry, but... A rumble shook the Infinity Cafe. Outside the front doors, a mass of arms, legs, claws, and tentacles lurched across the front garden. The yells above roared, making the glassware chime. Bison sighed. Well, you better get out there and kick his ass. I'd just screw it up. Wisp slapped her across the face. Faint waves of heat and light radiated off her. She pushed a shining, burning finger into the big woman's chest. Listen here. This is my birthday. She pointed with her other hand to the tiara. There is no one else I would want to fight a gross man-bug monster with me. Sure, sometimes you overdo it. Sometimes you're reckless. 
Oh, and sometimes you make me furious by treating me like a little kid, but you're my partner. Citadel Command may have put us together, but I wouldn't want anyone else. So are you with me? She wiped a couple of loose tears, running down Bison's mask away. Beelzebub snarled outside. Bison nodded. I'm with you. Wisp said, All right, let's go kick that body horror's backside. Trimmer, Paladin, Battle Maiden, and Echo clapped from the bar. They shouted encouraging words and held up their glasses in a toast. Aren't all of you coming? Wisp asked. Battle Maiden said, You two got this. Tag us in if you can't handle them. The pair fist bumped and ran to the front garden. Beelzebub attacked the pair with a salvo of appendages. Mouths bit at them and hissed as they missed. Wisp released a column of white-hot energy into a set of eyes on this blank. The creature attracted in pain as Bison lit loose a punch. The shockwave made him double over in a withering blob. Bison and Wisp watched the creature closely. It gurgled something. They walked closer to listen. A pair of tentacles erupted from the ground behind them. Wisp tried to ignite her powers but blacked out. Bison shrieked. Fur grew all over her body as her muscles rippled. The tentacles holding her snapped. She leapt into the air and brought both fists down on Beelzebub's main head. The creature flattened out and dropped Wisp. Bison grabbed the flaccid tentacle and spun the creature in a circle above her head. She said, Hey, Wisp, blow out your candles, and threw the creature into the air. Wisp hurled a column of blinding light that rocketed the monster out of sight over the ocean. The bar crowd cheered. Wisp said, blow your candles out? Bison laughed and gave her a bear hug. It was the best I could come up with. They both chuckled. Returning inside, Angus greeted them with a pair of glasses. Cheers. You two deserve it. One shot was tall, thin, and bright yellow, while the other was short, stout, and blue. It's your shots. Wisp took hers and asked, What is it? The bartender said, Lemon, ginger, and bourbon. It's perfect, Wisp said, taking a sip. Bison held up a hand. Thanks, but maybe I'll have that water first. Angus nodded. Wisp took the shot from him and threw it back. Mmm, it's a little rough. Angus said, Tequila and blue soda. Wisp winked at Bison. But I like it. Angus gave a little bow and flashed back behind the bar. Trimmer, Paladin, and Battle Maiden clapped them across their backs. You gals were awesome, said Trimmer. Bison looked around. Where's... Echo walked out of the bathroom. She looked surprised. Did I miss the whole thing? I needed to throw up. Battleman said, don't worry, I videoed it. She held up an older model of flip phone. The party gathered around her screen. Wisp watched everyone else's face as they watched the replay. She put an arm around Bison, feeling Echo's arm there. She adjusted a little higher. She smiled. The end. For now. So we're back from your story, and we both have new drinks now. Daniel, what, right. what are you drinking for this second story that just happened? For this second story that just happened, I needed something stiffer than just rum, and I was out of rum anyway, so that worked out. So I've got Jägermeister and root beer. 
Duel. It actually works, I think, really well. Hmm. Yeah. I'm really surprised because I usually really don't like Jägermeister. Yeah. And I went to Strawberry Rum and Berry Cherry Kool-Aid. Ooh. So who do you think your second drink's going to be? Oh, I want to say split, but I don't know why. So if I could think of a better one. It is cheery. The cheeriest of drinks. Mm, I don't know. Yours. What about discus? Hmm. Okay. Um. I could see that because I kind of imagine them as kind of a bro. What about boulder shark? Oh, man. I feel like boulder shark would have rustic taste. I'm imagining boulder shark as if you had a shot of Jägermeister and you dropped it in your root beer. Like a shot glass and dropped it. I could kind of see that. But any drink where you do that was probably Boulder Shark. (laughs) (laughs) I started to look at Hildy the Hunter. Mm. But then I thought, well, with how fancy and classy it is, I almost feel like it'd be Baron Von Kills then. (laughs) But no, I I like Boulder Shark. I could see that. Split the best for mine. What else we got? It's a bunch Uh, of fruits. Like berries, strawberries, cherries. Yeah. It's very cheery. What about King Ark? <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst. Super bear. Bears eat a lot of a lot of berries on the bushes. Do bears do that? I don't know. I think so. I think bears just kind of eat everything that's nearby. Oh, leaf. Someone was talking about how it's immoral to make your carnivorous pets eat like vegetarian diets. And I am not a veterinarian, but that sounds like reasonable. But I had the thought, like, well, what animals could you own if you wanted to have them on a vegetarian diet like that was cuddly? And the only thing I could think of was, like, I guess bears? Are you allowed to just have bears? (laughs) My 400-pound brown bear just really loves snuggles. (laughs) I did think I want to make a licket drink just because I like the Mm -hmm. idea of what I'm thinking of in my head. But I feel like it'd be almost like a cotton candy cosmopolitan. Oh. That just sounds too sweet. Yeah, feel like but I like the a liquid drink would be kind of edgy and maybe taste bad. I think with that much sweet, they would. Well, maybe there's got to be like something solid in there, and it's got to be in a small glass, so you got to get like your tongue in there to scoop it out. Oh, just mushy pineapple. <laughs> a slice of birthday cake. <laughs> uh, half a Twizzler. <laughs> um, so old as dirt. <laughs> it's not- I just find comical party supplies more funny than they have any right to be so this was wisp turning 21 then yeah that's what i got from it just want to make sure yeah so you took the everyone's turned into drinks a little bit less literally yeah i took it more figuratively yeah my original concept was to have uh beelzebub literally and like putting everyone into like webbing and be turning them into drinks to eat and I didn't know how to end it. So I worked my way back from that. Mmm, super smoothie. Mmm, bison flavored. It tastes like orange soda and tequila. Yeah. You went back to your old hunting grounds. The Cafe Infinity. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, You had a, a secret project Battle Means has been going on about? Because we hadn't talked about her in several episodes. Oh. So I thought she would just have a secret oh, project she's it, not doing. It's not a thing that you are referencing that you have in mind. It's plot. I did have two different ideas that we could play with. Yeah. So like it wasn't totally just a throwaway like story hook. My one idea was that she could be doing stuff with the Martians. Like helping them out with something. Mm. 
Do you think she gets a I... tattoo around her neck to allow her to breathe water? Ooh. I mean, now she does. Tattoo some. I don't know how I was thinking about it. Tattoo some gills on there. Oh, that'd be really good. Just tattoo extra body parts. Yeah. Okay, that is how she gets down there now. <laughs> she just mermaids herself and swims down. Okay. I had the idea, and we can play with this. But whenever Immortal Reggie falls to Earth, nobody can find him. No one can find him. And so I think she's been on part of the team trying to find him. Because he's technically immortal, so he should still be down there somewhere. Yeah. So that was one idea. Cool. My other idea was Quake's powers are doing something underwater. Mm. And she's down there trying to study up on what's going on. Yeah. That's cool. I did really enjoy that we both had Battle Maiden in our stories. Oh, yeah. Mine was... Brief. Less, yeah. I think part of it is we haven't had stories where we've had just Aegis in it or whatever. Yeah. We've had people. Other groups. Yeah. Mine was a clerical thing. I spelled Battle Maiden with no spaces in my story. And in your story, you, you spelled it as two words. Battle Maiden. So I think I thought about this whenever I was writing it out. And I like the way it looks better with no space. So I do like it as just Battle Maiden one word. Oh, okay. Cool. I, but I win this one. Someone put it in the wiki that Quentin won this one. I needed to make a note of it that I really thought it'd be funny if she had like a belt buckle at some point. Maybe not part of her regular uniform that would just say BMF. Oh, I was just going to say like, BM for bad manners. <laughs> well, that could be too. But she'd just be like, yeah, Battle Maiden... I don't know, something silly. Battle made him fighter. Yeah. But people like always asking her, like, oh, are you sure you should have that? Seems a little abrasive. But uh, another battle maiden question. Battleman ain't got no birthday? She just doesn't want to tell him her birthday. Oh, okay. I, I just thought it'd be funny if she's like, I'm not telling you guys my birthday. Hmm. And that was partially because I saw a thread on Twitter about adjusting your characters to have like S astral signs oh and i like they were like yeah you need to make sure that your characters all align to their astral signs in behavior <laughs> and personally to me i was like i don't know enough about the astral science to do that even though i think it's a cool concept for writing to, like, to help you with writing i don't think but so. so that's partially my little like nod wink of like i don't know when her birthday is but <laughs> either do they so was the bouncer bouncer so Originally, it was just a bouncer, but after writing the word bouncer, I wanted it to be bouncer. So I think it is bouncer. And the bartender just says the bouncer and not doesn't call him by name. I might edit the story <laughs> then. I might add a, a qualifier in there. Yeah. I have a question about Moonglow's drink. Yeah. Does it increase in potency with the phase of the moon? It should now. That's a really good idea. <laughs> I thought that's why it got cut off. Like, what's that sparkly bit? Well, um, <laughs> moon dust. <laughs> so we have <laughs> we had uh, some partner troubles. Yeah. Uh, Bison seems to get more uh, friendly with Echo. Yeah. Which I know because you had a notes page at one time that was a full year of Bison and Wisp storyline. <laughs> <laughs> That was my go-to plan for the year. But yeah, so you're you're getting to pull out some of that. Yeah, i I haven't looked back at that list, but I knew the general curve yeah. of some of the story plots I wanted to hit, and so I'm just picking yeah. my favorites from that. Let's go. We need to 
keep bringing characters back up and advancing their stories. John Morris show. Yeah. John Morris and his boy. His man. His man. So they show up just because mirrors were present? <laughs> I just thought it'd be a funny additional thing of just, he's just sitting in some bar playing with mirrors, doing mirror magic. Yeah. Cool. I don't know if I had any more questions. Did you, do you know what uh, Tremor and Paladin strengths are? Hmm. I was going to say, I feel like Paladins has to be pretty like straightforward. So it's something like bourbon with just uh, bitters or something like that. Just something. It's just bourbon on the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Tremor's got to be uh, one of those drinks that curdle if you oh. don't drink them fast enough. Like It's like tremors in your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the trick is you drop the alcohol into the milk and you're not allowed to touch it for a few seconds until it starts to curdle. No. Here's your, your vodka milk <laughs> that I put in the microwave for a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Beelzebub show back up. Yeah. I wanted to have him in a combat situation. It's cool to see so. see them in action. Okay. You want to wrap it up? Yeah. We could wrap it up. Yeah. Wrap it up. Uh, What are we doing next? World build again? Yeah. Another story? We're doing a world build, and it's going to be a surprise, yeah. I guess. All right. So tune in next week. See what the see what that one is. <laughs> see what see what BS we figure out. But I think in two weeks we are going to do stories. And what was the prompt for it? We have the stories like darkness or is it Amy? Just Amy Dangerous. Amy Dangerous episode. Oh, was it like Void or something like that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Two episodes from now will be our Amy Dangerous stories. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I need to finish my story. Yeah. It's good. I like it so far. But yeah, we'll hit you with those in two weeks, and one week we'll have some world build. Maybe the evil Aegis? Oh, yeah, we need to do them. But we're not committed to that. We'll figure it out. But uh, let's do our wrap-up stuff, I guess. Yeah, boy. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we got art by Lisa Prather. You can find her stuff at lisapratherart.com or on Instagram at lisapratherart. We got an email. Double issue show at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're on website. We're on WordPress. We're on Facebook. We're on Discord. All those links are in the show notes. At Double Issue Show is our Twitter, and you can probably find the links there too. Yeah. Our theme song was Free Harmonics by the Free Harmonics Orchestra, used and shortened under the Creative Commons license. Yeah. Check that out at freemusicarchive.org. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we would really appreciate it if you enjoy this show. Go over to iTunes and write up a review and say how awesome we are, how much you like this show, or how much you hate this show, I guess, if you hate listen. Seems <laughs> weird, but go for it. I hate this show so much, I don't miss an episode. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I guess if you're, you're into comics, Gate, then one star it is for us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to get those hate clicks. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, we'll probably just put it after after the credits that's where that'll be do we have any do we have any reviews on itunes uh we have some yes i can bring those up should i read them i was gonna say do we want to read a couple we do have some reviews already some got one from zozus zozus said it was very nice miss or ha mr rick is here (laughs) said if you're in the market for creative storytelling look no further than double issue 
the hosts do a great job switching between world-building episodes and story episodes, making for an immersive experience that'll bring you back week after week. I think it might be Hamrick is here. Are you sure that's Hamrick? Ha, Mr. Ick is here. Seems... Full disclosure, I've been reading students' names all week for orientation, so I'm terrible at names now. Oh, you can also see what else other people review. Ha, Mr. Oh, Ick cool. loves Nintendo Seconds, Anti-Donna Podcast. Wonderful. And that's weird, in addition to us. <laughs> so, there you go. Boom. <laughs> all right. Okay. Let me yeah. end the recording. Uh, goodbye. Hello, and welcome to the part where I'm reading the credits to you. Start with the songs that we used. We already mentioned the opening song, Free Harmonics by the Free Harmonic Orchestra. Next, we had Someday I'll Like You But Before Let Me Rest in My Solitude, Lonely Characters Theme by Komiku. Melancholic Ending by Soft and Furious. Run in the Night by The Good Lods. Victory by Mon Plaisir, Sinking Feeling by Jesse Spillane. You can find those on Free Music Archive, and they're all used under Creative Commons license or public domain. The details to each license and each song is in the show notes. As for sound effects, we have Cricket Ambience 4 by Alienist Cog, Video Game Beeps by Pan14, Walkie Talkie Transmission Start by Bruce965, Static.Wave by Jace, Baby Crying by Panico, Rocket Boost Engine Loop.Wave by Kudo, Kubodop, 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 I don't know, usernames are weird, City Traffic Outdoor.Wave by Embrace the Art, People Talking.Wave by Zerer T Sounds, Monster Roar 2 by Quadraslayer, Monster by Vada Sounds, Monster Active by IBM 5155. Daniel really did go overboard with these monster sound effects. I haven't heard the finished product yet, but I'm sure it's great. He always does great with those sound effects. And SFX Shaking Objects Earthquake by Rutger Muller. And you can find those sound effects at freesound.org or the links are in the show notes we'll talk to you guys next week here's that other thing all right i am back daniel is not back yet it seems so i'll say hey daniel you dumb (laughs) no daniel's not dumb is the password to the my wi-fi though strangely enough (sighs) <sighs> comics gate hey anyone listening we're a comics adjacent podcast if you are pro comics gate you could not listen to us you are forbidden <laughs> we don't we don't need people that support that as part of our listening base so you can f off just so it's known, so you can't, I guess you could miss this, but hopefully through our storytelling here, you can see that we're, we don't support that kind of asshole. <laughs>
You talking to me? No. I, I came in on asshole. Yeah. I was uh, talking about you at first. And, <laughs> oh, 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 okay. And then I saw a tweet about Comicsgate, and I, I put a message in here for anyone pro Comicsgate that they can just go F off. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll get in on that. Yeah. Comicsgate people, I need you to wrap your head backwards all the way back over your butt and then insert your head into your butt. Just get it right up in there. Yeah. We put this at the end, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so so I was following Gamersgate pretty close because I'm a in my professional life like a games researcher-ish. I'm not yeah. really professional yet. But I was following it a lot closer. And with Comicsgate, I just hear random stuff every now and again. And just every time I'm like, ah, I should go read about what terrible, stupid things happening today, but I'm really tired. <laughs> So you were following comics or Gamersgate, Gamergate more closely. I wasn't really on Twitter. I saw like yeah. one thing about Gamersgate and the only part I saw was uh we need ethics in games journalism and I went sounds good to me. Right. <laughs> Not knowing all of the vitriol and dumb people behind it. I I well, feel was... bad for being duped, even though I didn't really like I didn't join in or anything. I, if I had seen any of the other side of it, I would have been no. And that was the malicious thing about that movement is they they duped a lot of people. Yeah, like full on. That's what I hate about that. Hate about stuff like this is that to reasonable people, they say the reasonable bit of it without the all the other terrible stuff. Yeah. And people go, yeah, that sounds about right. Ethics and journalism? We need that. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's something, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Not knowing that it's a dog whistle for let's hate people. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I feel bad, even though I didn't take part in anything or anything, I just feel bad for being duped about that occasionally. Man, that's what happened. I think I was following games people on Twitter and I just saw the early rumblings of stuff going on. I just thought, this is, seems weird. And then I just randomly was came into like some of the bigger threads about it. It's just, oh, oh, this is bad. I don't know. And it was right in the middle of working on like thesis stuff about games and trying to get participants to work on games research yeah and it was not a great time to do doing that yeah Ugh. yeah